I want to talk a little bit about a funny word. It's called egoism. I'll tell you what that is in a moment. But the idea behind it is very dangerous, especially when it's applied to how you feel, to your emotions. And you know those emotions, right? Those little feeling thoughts, those little ideas that you struggle with once in a while. You know the ones. They stir up the adrenaline. They raise your blood pressure. They stir up your thinking. They bring fear, bitterness, resentment, doubt. That's a big one, doubt. Second-guessing everything that you do, everything that you are, feeling insecure in yourself, no confidence, afraid of what everyone thinks, approval-seeking. It's a mess. It makes you a mess. These are the stinking thinking ideas that tell you terrible things about you, about others, about the future. They make you worry. They send out waves of pessimistic and negative thoughts. Everyone has these, by the way. Even people who you wouldn't think do, to some extent anyway. Even people who seem very secure. Donald Trump. <laughs> he does. The Queen. The Pope. Jay-Z. <laughs> the Kardashians. Rush Limbaugh. Bill Maher. <laughs> oh, I think I just tasted bile. Uh, your parents. Your children. Everyone's got them, and it's a simple matter of whether or not you overcome them, and not by compensating. Everyone's got that voice in them. It isn't them. It's in them. For some, it's pretty well developed, depending on how they live their lives. It's stronger. Others, not as strong. Anthony Bourdain, for example. Very strong in that poor guy. So much so that he obeyed it, thought it was him. That's what was going on in him in his last minutes, those final seconds. Robin Williams, same thing. That designer lady, I forgot her name. My daughter has a handbag by her. David Foster Wallace. I'm naming just famous people. Anyone who's taken that route, you've heard of them. But it's also in everyone. It's in anyone else. And that's not psychology. That's spiritual. It's metaphysical. Something has taken control of their thinking in a, in a very special way. And this kind of thinking is something that everyone's got to a degree. But there is a solution to those thoughts. And it isn't the standard answer that you've probably been taught. It's not likely anyway, but it is very simple. So let's get down to brass tacks here. We're all confronted, right, with these negative thoughts. They aren't going anywhere. Not in this lifetime anyway. They're always going to crop up, always going to be there. They're embedded in your thinking. That's how they get delivered, in your thoughts, in your mind. Realize that. It's simply a matter of whether or not they crop up outside of your being or inside of your being, but they always do present. That's the mechanism, thinking. Religions talk about that. They talk about temptation. But there's a way to deal with them so that they don't get in. They don't impede your life. They don't hold up progress. They don't prevent your peace. And that, if I could get you to see that, will be very useful. It'll save your life. Negative thoughts can really bog you down. They can distract you. They can turn you into a useless blob, an awkward blob. They make you feel awkward. Or if met properly, 
into a strengthened, dignified human being. But they have to be met properly. And the way to do that is so simple. It is so simple. You can become immune to harmful energies or the negative force that's always packed into negative thinking. Call it resentment. Listen, these thoughts come from somewhere. You don't make them. And it isn't from somewhere nice. And you can become impervious to them, protected where you live in a peacefully, healthfully whole life, without fear, without unhappiness. I have no anger, ever. I haven't had a bad day in, I don't know, decades. Things have happened that I'd rather not have happened, of course. I've been tempted, of course. But I don't resent. I don't get angry. I don't suppress it. And as a result, it falls off and leaves me alone. You know how? I can sum it up in three words. Stop playing God. Or two words. Just watch. Or I can bring it down to one word. Observe. Take your pick. They're all the same. Now, what do I mean by that? Everyone has shortcomings, right? I do. You do. We aren't perfect. Not yet. We live and we breathe on this plane of existence on Earth as imperfect human creatures, defective beings. Of course. That's no humble admission. Everyone says that. You expect them to say that. I'm not perfect. Everybody says that. But what they don't say, what they don't admit, is that we're on a journey toward perfection. We're supposed to get there in this lifetime. We're supposed to be becoming perfected as we go along. It's progressive. I'm not there yet. I'm just a long ways. And I've got a long ways to go, too. I'm 61 years old. I've got 40, maybe 50 years left. That's all. I hope to live a long time. I hope I do. But I'm on my way. And if I can, I'd like a chance to show you how it's done, how to make progress, how I've gotten this far, this well. I know that upsets some of you. I can't really say I'm sorry. But until we master how we deal with the basest, most fundamental of our emotional shortcomings, we'll never overcome our flaws. The defectiveness that brings chaos, the sickness, will never stop sinning. <laughs> There's a word for you. Yeah, that's meant to stop too. We're not supposed to keep sinning, playing God, judging. But we have to stop or else we get sick and we die miserably. Taking others with us too, the people that we've harmed. Maybe people that we think we love. And we've made them miserable, like us. Our children, for example. We have to properly meet the trials and the low spots that life is definitely going to present along the way. Or they will kill us. And that can be done simply. Struggling and fighting to get rid of our faults, our fears, our resentments, our negative attitudes. You know, the way those pop spirituality pundits and those phony preachers propose. That never works. That's the egoism I'm talking about. Egoism is engrossed in oneself, in one's own self-interest. It's following a theory that's self-interest and self-development are the true meaning of life. It's not. We get better, of course. But not by our deeds and not how we recreate ourselves. We do it by our devotion to what's right, to virtue. 
You cannot make yourself well. You cannot make yourself virtuous. Egoism appeals to something inside us that wants us to try and fail. But it's a death sentence. Struggle. It'll kill you. Stop trying to become better, and then you will become better. As long as you fall for the temptation to control your own life, to constantly try to install your own happiness, your own superiority, and to do that in an ambitious effort, then you'll always remain stuck in this rut of emotionality and suffering. Suffering is necessary. We grow from that. But we are to discover its solution, too, and not to suffer unnecessarily. There's too much unnecessary suffering in the world. So what doesn't work? Well, positive thinking, for one thing, that's a total failure. Mantras, gratitude lists, talking cures, venting, self-help, life coaches. Life coaches are the worst. God, these are sick people. They could be worse than cult leaders, worse than David Koresh or Jim Jones. At least they're obvious. Life coaches, not so obvious. And they will suck you dry. One-on-one, metaphysically, and then you'll be sick too. How could you turn your life and will and your source of direction over to a life coach? Or to spiritual mentors, to sponsors, to psychotherapists, there is something profoundly more effective than any of these human inventions. I'm sorry, I know many of you are involved with programs and courses and cults that teach you tricks or gimmicks that make you feel like you're becoming enlightened or better human beings, religions, therapies. And I know some of these can provide some relief some of the time. They seem to be working. They seem to work. But it's only temporary. Listen to what I'm telling you, please. That uplift that you get from your prosperity preacher's sermon or by hypnotically murmuring in your head, that contemplative droning in prayer and platitudes, yoga, same thing. I'll do a podcast about yoga one day. There's nothing wrong with stretching. There's nothing wrong with exercising. There's something more there. It's all part of a great ruse, and you're being conned. It's a big, giant bologna sandwich, and you're being suckered. You're biting the bologna and swallowing it, and you'll choke. Ultimately, all of those will fail. And once that happens, it could be too late. So what can you do? Can you do something about it? Yes. Instead of trying to wrangle peace and happiness out of the universe, we can do the exact opposite. Do nothing. That works, believe it or not. Don't struggle. Give up fighting. Don't struggle against negative emotions when they try to have their way with us. There's a force inside thinking. Just take it easy instead in a very special way that never fails, ever. I teach it. You can go to my website. It's free. You can just Google me and find it. Look, invoking positive thinking or happy thought to fight against an imperfect world that we live in, we're all in it, that's sedating yourself. You're putting yourself to sleep. It's lacking faith. Struggle. Trying. Effort. It's all a cruel trap to put you into a self-willed prison cell. It's totally contrary to the ancient spiritual principles that never fail, that are freeing, and so simple, so accessible. 
negative thoughts and resentments, doubt, fear, anger, they're always on the doorstep, just waiting. They'll never go away. It's our legacy as humans. We have to exist with them. We have to live with them looming out there, waiting, poised, ready to get inside of us. Because once they're in, they feed a ravenous eagle self its judgment food. It's like charging a battery on an evil doll that comes to life by it. Dan, what's that, uh, what's that evil doll? Chunky? Chunky? Chucky? Chunky? Chucky. Chunky. 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 Resentment. It energizes something wicked inside, something dark and wrong. Like Chunky. Chucky. Like Chucky. Like Chucky. But protection comes through patience. It's a gift for sitting still, for remaining neutral, for waiting to be saved. Tossing platitudes and happy thoughts at this, and the Chucky doll just laughs at us. It isn't affected by that. You can't cast spells to ward off evil. Then you're evil too. You're becoming willful. You can only overcome it with good. And good is not your doing. It's done for you through you once you wake up. So, here it is, in a nutshell. Rise above thoughts. Observe them. Do nothing more than that. You'll discover ongoing spiritual recovery, good health. Your brain will work better. Your body will work better. You'll heal. That's really, heal, healing. Not that religious crap on TV or down at your crazy church, or that you try to get from some storefront yoga witch lady, soothsayers, or it's Santero, the shaman. They're crazy. And so are you, if you go for that, or you soon will be anyway. The ability to discover peace within and wellness comes from daily practice. It takes just a few minutes each day, a couple of times a day, and do it at a time of day that the going isn't so tough. Take some time each morning. Just sit still, observe the clamor and the intellectual noise inside your head. It's there. Don't tell me it's not. It's there. Just watch it. Let it do its thing. Don't look for silence. Don't try to make it quiet. Just observe. Do that again for a few minutes during the day. Just pause. Not in reflection. That'd be detrimental, but just... Exist in stillness again. Watch wordlessly. Become the observer. Keep it simple. No philosophy, no doctrine, no hypnosis. Then at night, right before sleeping, watch the thoughts again. See them come. See them go. Have no opinion about them. Just see that they are. And then you go to sleep awakened in this conscious state and wonderful things happen inside you while you rest. I'll go into that one day. You'll be shocked to know what can happen, what does happen while you sleep. You want to sleep properly, believe me. You want that. So, Dan, how did you you sleep last night? I slept very well. I slept okay. That's it? I guess. (laughs) I slept okay, too. But sleeping is very important, and a lot of things happen. I I don't want to really go into it too much on this podcast, but amazing things happen when you sleep. You know, when you, when you go to bed, it's, you know, your body repairs itself physically. Well, it happens spiritually as well. Right. And uh, a lot of things happen. A lot of the things that you miss during the day, 
that maybe got inside your craw, so to speak, a lot of that stuff gets resolved at night. You mean like emotions, resentments? Emotions, resentments. Yeah, you get vented. Well, they're, they're still trying to figure out uh, what sleep does. They have from no a idea. scientific. Well, they know some standpoint. Stuff. They they think that it has to do with how you're processing um, memories, right? And with REM sleep, you're uh, you're you're exploring things and exploring your thoughts and and ideas and and almost learning. And then with the lighter sleep, you're you're actually categorizing memories and events from from the past and, right. and storing them. Um, that's what they think. They're trying hmm. to figure out how neurons work. Hey, they're, they're trying to figure out how the brain works. They think it's kind of like a computer, but much more, um, much more complicated. Oh, it's way complicated. We're just like science is just like touching the surface. Yeah, we have no idea how the brain works. No idea. Not. I mean, they know about neurons and you know how how things fire, but they have. No, they really don't have any idea. All they know is as we're developing computers and trying to similarities, uh, we're trying to create. Uh, simulations we're trying to create simulations right and it's like oh my god this is impossible <laughs> yeah right right we need like we need like giant supercomputers and and uh it's just we can't do it we can't do it the way the brain processes stuff is is unbelievable the associations that we build and we create so so fast and 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 uh and everything it's well, it's it's insane well that brings up the subject of dreams sometimes i get I get calls and messages from people, you know, emails and whatnot. They want, you know, they have dreams. They have what they would call bad dreams or some dreams or they want to know what their dreams mean. And uh, they mean, dreams mean something. I think they can. I know they do. Do you think they always do? No. Sometimes they have kind of weird, silly dreams. Yeah. But I was going to mention before, you're talking about- um, I've had dreams that I know mean something. Oh, me too. And some dreams I just think are- yeah, well, strange. Well, people call, like someone will call like that I've been working with for a while for a period of time. Yeah. And, you know, weeks or months or sometimes years. And they'll call and they'll say, oh, I had this dream last night. And they start, you know, telling me about it as if I'm going to like interpret their dreams, which I believe that you can do. You can interpret dreams. Right. I mean, even the Bible, they were interpreting dreams, right? Joseph, right? Yes. So. He was a, a dream reader. Is that what they call him? A dream, dream. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what they call him, but he was supposed to interpret the meaning of dreams, right? And he, he and if Which he, did, he did, if he did it wrong, they would kill him. Wasn't that the deal? I don't know, but he did it right, so, so he became a. Uh, he, oh, he became a huge. He became a ruler. Yeah, he, I, I forget his title. Man. He became like like the Pharaoh's second second hand man, right hand man. Right for getting dreams correct, or at least pleasing. Yeah, basically, to the he, he told the Pharaoh, he's like, "Listen, your dream meant that uh, there's going to be a famine." So you better save up all your grain now. And Egypt ended up being like the only, the only uh, empire in the in the entire region right. that survived the uh, the drought because they already knew ahead of time because of Joseph. Now, <laughs> now I remember. Now the reason why this story is so uh, fresh to you probably oh, is, because- okay. Well, it's because I've read it. <laughs> oh, but okay. if you must bring that up, I was in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor. Dream yes, Co. he was. And I was. Uh, I was. I was just a, a nobody. I was an extra. Yeah, but it was Basically. funny that little uh, that little dance that you had to learn. That was pretty cool. Oh, uh, the little Egyptian dance. The little Egyptian. Yeah, dance. I had to do a little Egyptian. We do. Dance. Um, if, no one knows this, but uh, Dan and I actually, and his sister also, have been involved in uh, some of the local theater productions up here. He he was in he was in drama club. Yeah, in high school. In high school, and I was even in some of the plays, and uh, you know, had some speaking parts and for whatnot the, for the family Singing theater parts stuff. And yeah, that we haven't done that in a few years. I, I haven't acted in a while. Though. People would be very surprised to learn that i've done some singing and dancing on stage yeah but anyway <laughs> be, 
just just for fun though just 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 for the kids um there's a right way to do, do it. it do it for the kids do it for the kids yeah anyway so joseph um people call call me and they yeah. want to know if i will interpret their dreams and sometimes i have to t- i always i never give them the idea that that's what i can do but sometimes it happened recently i Someone will call and they'll say, hey, I had this dream and this is going on. This happened and this happened. I'm saying, well, that's so obvious. That's so- I was about to say, it's not an interpretation. You no, it's you not You don't sit there analyzing it. No. It's just, it's just hey, stupid, you, you can't see what this means? Right. I mean, obviously, you have this going on. Right. Well, let's no. see. The tree represents your cousin yes. and the clouds and, and are when the- we look at the- uh, the trees in your dream, what we you- see that they are- Is Sigmund Freud all of a sudden? Yeah. He was a coke, right? He was a- He was a- Drug addict. Oh, was he? I did not know this about yeah. me, about him. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought it was interesting that you said you wanted to live for another uh, 40 to 50 years. Well, that would be cool because I'm 61. You're 61. Yeah. Um, I mean, life expectancy in the U.S. is like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're going to die soon, yeah. but I mean, um, how, how, do you think, how do you think that works? Do you think being uh, more more firm in your in your uh, emotional uh, deportment helps with with living longer of course it does yeah when, yeah well the more time you spend conscious you know the more so when you when you for instance when you meditate right yes you, you meditate okay so when you med, when anybody meditates um you come out basically one of the things that happens is you come you step back from time you step out of time you actually stop aging believe it or not when you you're smiling Ladies and gentlemen, my son is smiling. Um, you do. You come out, you step back. Now, you're not going to totally cease. It's not that magic. Although, I, I would imagine a, a Jesus or somebody could do that. But you actually slow down time. You step out of time and you come into the present moment because there is no time in the present moment. There is no time except the present. And everything else is just a passage, right? So you step back and you, you actually slow down your aging process. You think you physically slow it down? Oh, I know you do. Of course you do. Yeah. So you will live longer and you will die sooner if you're angry. Right. And when you're disconnected from the, the umbilical cord to your, to your dark self, which feeds on anger, yeah. uh, your, there's less wear and tear on your body because that has electrical impulses that go, go all through your body. Well, there are, there are scientific explanations to why anger I don't I don't care about hurts. science. No. What, why anger hurts? Oh, yes. <laughs> no, I, was, I didn't finish my thought. Oh. Yes, why Why anger is deleterious toward your body, raises your blood pressure. Oh, of course. You get heart disease, stuff like that. Of course. But I just mean from a, uh, a purely, you know, almost almost philosophical standpoint, you it's, know, just living longer. Not, not, not expiring because of a heart attack or something. Just, no. Just your body, your body's expiration date. No. Well, you're going to, we're all going out. to expire. Yeah. But- they're going to take us off the shelf and spoil us, throw us in the bin. Yeah. Um, everyone has an expiration date, right? We know, you know, that's going to happen. But it's either going to go quicker or slower, depending on your emotional state. So, for example, well, you know, we, we know that emotions are electrical. That's what I say. They're okay. electrical. Okay. So, when you are, when you are emotional or over-emotional... Your body is filling with this electric electrical current. It could be it's positive or negative current, mm-hmm. and you can actually short circuit your 
your harness, so to speak, your electric harness. And you can actually burn out the components. And that's what that's what happens. People die that way. But also it also affects you physically, like your heart, your blood rate, your blood pressure, your heart rate. Like my heart rate is very low. Mm-hmm. It's very slow. And it's not because I have a medical condition. It's just very slow, surprisingly slow. I I fall into the category of athlete. And I'm not an right. athlete. No. Okay. But I mean I'm good physical condition, but um it's my heartbeat is uh, below 60. It's like around 56, between 56 and 60 is, is what it's resting okay. at. I think that's, I think that's so it's like that of a, of a large animal. <laughs> well, I'm a large animal, I guess. I guess, I don't know. But, and my blood pressure is also very good. But, um, the stress on your body, for instance, in your heart, right? People have problems with plaque buildup and arterial sclerosis, right? This is because their heart beats too fast, believe it or not, because they're always agitated. They're always in that fight or flight mode. Yeah. So they're excited all the time. If you're upset all the time, your heart is beating faster and the blood is pumping quicker. That makes sense. You're going to wear out the plumbing. Eventually it just pops. That's why people have like aneurysms and uh, blood clots because the plaque is breaking through, breaking off. And it doesn't clean. Basically, when the, believe it or not, when the heart, when the blood is going... I'm not a doctor. A doctor can explain this in terms way better than I can. Okay. I'm just giving a very layman's exp- explanation here. But uh, when the blood is going through the heart chambers and, and uh, your entire system, yes. your pulmonary system, uh, your um, um, coronary? coronary system, the uh, blood is going so rapidly, it's not cleaning the sidewalls fast enough. So you're getting this well enough. So you're getting this okay. buildup of plaque, and then that can break off and give all kinds what is, of stuff. What you is, need a doctor to explain What is pulmonary? Uh, breathing, lungs. And coronary is heart? Is heart, yeah. Really? Okay. What does a coroner do? A, co- a coroner uh, is like a more, is the... Uh, I thought it pronounces you're dead, right? Yeah. He says that your heart stopped, I guess. Maybe. Okay. Okay. What are we going with the etymology? I here? don't know. I just thought it was interesting. That's all right. I should know these things. I am a writer. Well, that explanation sounds much more uh, easily digestible than um, than you step out of time like some sort of wizard <laughs> <laughs> when you meditate. It is true. I believe you. Okay. I will talk about that some other time. But that's what happens. There is there is another there there is another dimension. It's the fourth dimension, and you can enter it. And there's no time there. You just had a blog about that, actually. I did. Yeah. Did I say there was no time in the fourth dimension? I don't know. You did mention a fourth dimension. Oh. oh, also, you mentioned sponsors. Sponsors. A little while ago. Yes, you said that uh, in talking about uh, people you shouldn't follow or dedicate right. your life to, you mentioned you mentioned a few you know, life coaches, uh, and you mentioned sponsors. Right. So are you against sponsorship in totality, or just- a dedication to your sponsor. Okay. If you I, have a sponsor. I just kind I could just kind of slip that in. Cuz you're talking about a sp- by sponsor, you're talking about like like in a 12-step program? That's what I thought you meant. Uh that is what I meant. <laughs> that okay. is cuz I'm involved with a lot of people in 12-step. Cuz you, you know, I'm a firm believer in 12-step process. Right. You know. Hey, anything that can bring you to a spiritual awakening, anything that can bring you to a connection with God and God consciousness, I'm all for it. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's a bolt of lightning 
from the sky or mm-hmm. if you hit your head on a concrete brick or whatever. And those things have been known to happen. And whatever it takes to wake up. But 12, the 12-step process, it's very rudimentary. And it's not for everyone, but it, it does work. Anyway, sponsors are in, in the 12-step realm. So I did mention it because I mentioned it with spirit, with spiritual mentors and psychotherapists and stuff. So like that. So you're not against, I'm I know, against. but you, but you might be against, uh, spiritual mentors or psychotherapists completely, but sponsorship, I mean, it has its benefits. Sometimes, I see. Right. Oh yeah. Because it be, well in that program, in the 12 step program, because, because right. in order for the 12 step program to work, it's very hard. It's extremely hard to do. It's, it's drastic. It's simple, but it's very drastic. Okay. And if you haven't got a. Um, there's an element that they talk about in that program, which is called identification. And unless the person who's taking you through, it's a 12 step process. And unless the person who's taking you through that, uh, you absolutely believe them like 100% complete credibility. They won't have the authority to bring you through it. It's just too hard. It's just too difficult because, uh, I get that. and, And the reason that the way that authority is established is that they actually share the exact same problem with you. That's why alcoholics can sponsor other alcoholics, okay. but drug addicts can't sponsor alcoholics, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So what happens is- It's like having a parent, really. Uh, no? No. Yeah, it is. I don't like that comparison. I, I like it. Sorry. Parents can punish you. <laughs> I know, but your parent has to have complete authority over you. Oh, in that you, regard, yes, that's you, right. You or believe you them. Right. Because you believe they know what they're- talking about and have been through the same issues that you have as in growing up okay in that regard absolutely correct uh there is an establishment of authority you believe that correct okay so because if you don't have authority as a parent you're you just can't do your job but anyway well what happens with the 12-step process is that it's so drastic that people are going to be asked to do the the hardest thing that anyone any human being can ever do (laughs) and everyone must do which is separate from their ego separate from that lower self, stand back and watch. And that's what they're going to be asked to do to get rid of that. What they call it is the bondage to bondage of self Mm -hmm. that if you don't do that, you can't recover. And if you do do that, you do recover. You lose all, you lose your obsession. They lose their obsession to drink or whatever, whatever obsession is bothering you. But if you don't have that identification, you can't do it. You can go through the motions, but you can't do it. You just can't. You have to have this that authority, and that authority is established that way. So anyway, so I mentioned sponsors. Uh, that's what a sponsor in, a, in AA does, right? Right. People abuse that all the time. They, they become their buddies, and they become their counselors, they become their spiritual mentors, and they become, you know, ersatz psychiatrists, and it's ridiculous. They really have no... Right. They really should not do that. What they're supposed to be doing is they're supposed to be taking them through this methodic process, numbered one through 12 in that order, and during that process somewhere between five and seven number five and seven they have this spiritual awakening they have a spiritual awakening experience that it's called and they become god conscious and then they live the rest of their lives that way that's what's supposed to happen but what happens frequently is these people gain an authority that kind of it kind of goes to their head and they wind up running these people's lives and they start giving them advice and counsel they really have no that they themselves perhaps don't even follow right okay so they have no authority so you don't want to turn your life and will. The whole idea behind the 12-step process is to turn your life and will over to God. Not a higher power. It transfers over to God afterward. That's only in the early steps. And then after the third step, they turn it over to God. 
not to a sponsor, not to a psychotherapist mm-hmm. or a spiritual mentor or a guru or a priest or a minister. That's they're human beings. It's God. That's the only way. And when they get up to steps 10 and 11, they discover God within. You know, I call it synonymous. They wrote a book, right? They have a book. That's, that's what the, the fellowship was named after. It was named after their book that they yeah. wrote called Alcoholics Anonymous. And they turn their life and will over to God in that process. And then they live that way, God consciously, for the rest of their lives by praying and meditating and all of that. When you're, when you're meditating? Yeah. Sometimes you'll meditate and you'll be watching and everything. And then you remember, it's almost like you remember God exists. You know what I'm talking about? And because there's no, there's seeing your thoughts, seeing them for what they are and seeing that they're not you and they're different. It doesn't help at all unless you're letting God remove them because you can't remove them yourself. Right. You know what I mean? So if you forget about that aspect, if you, if you ignore that aspect of it, you don't get better. You see your thoughts and then you're, you're just you with your thoughts. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I do. And you go crazy. <laughs> so you meditate and you go crazy. No, no, no. If you don't let go. Right. If you don't, if you don't let God remove them. Right. You go, you do go crazy. You go crazy. Yes, you, you just, do. And you're just like, oh my God, I am this terrible person with all these terrible thoughts. Yes. And they're, they're not me, but here they are. It happens all the time. And what do I do now? Right. Well, that's the thing. You want something steps in and wants to do something about it. Right. I'm working with a person right now. Okay. A person Instead who, of just letting God remove them. Instead of letting God remove them. Right. So something tells you, oh, you must do something because if you don't do something, nothing will happen and you'll get worse. And what about this? And what about that? That's, and, and that's when you're lost yeah. in the stream of thought. When you become conscious, you step back from the thought and you watch it and you, and that's not, and you realize that's not your thoughts. Those aren't your thoughts. That's why it says, be still. When you're still, it's not just be still and know, because that's what people get, be still and know. Oh, if, I be sti- if, I, if I'm still, I'll, I will be filled with all sorts of wisdom. I will yeah. know everything. I will become a genius. No. Be still and know that I'm God, meaning be still and know that you're not God. I'm not God. He's God. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. So, and that's from you know one of the Psalms, right? And once you, but you can't know that you're not God because you will think you're God when you're connected to that thing inside of you that thinks it's God. And as long as you're connected to it, you'll think you won't know where you begin and it ends. You can't tell the difference. And that's why you meditate. And then you don't go mad because that is madness. That is, you'll be everything that's insanity or it's, it's not sane. Yeah. Being rid of thought. You don't want to be rid of thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to observe your thoughts. You don't want the you don't want to be quiet. Okay, you want to observe the noise. Right, and and that is the realization. It's shocking, it upsets people sometimes when they say, "Oh my God, look at all that noise in my head. What do I do? I'm going crazy." No, step back and watch it, and you'll be protected from it. And that's how that works. It's very simple. Okay, it's too simple. It's too simple for. People who are tied to their egos or tied to yes. their selves that, that want to fix everything. Okay. Um, all right. Let's do some questions. Um, oh, speaking of the meditation, we have Hank. And he has a, he has a good question here. He says, if I get disturbed in the middle of listening to your meditation on SoundCloud by a family member, what should I do? Start again, carry on. I usually press play and carry on. But at the end of it, I feel like I should have listened all the way through, stopped, then carried on. All right. 
seems unsettling. I want your answer. I says Hank. He says I want the answer. He said, "Okay, well, he said, would love an answer. Thank you." <laughs> okay. I I don't like to answer. I don't want the, you know, I don't want these I know. I don't like to answer meditation questions because they're they're boring to other people. They're individual. He should write me or call or something like that. However, he should. Uh, but it's something that's pretty common. So so I will comment on it. Um when you're meditating, that's what you're doing. I mean, that you're experiencing, you could be experiencing life while you're meditating. You hear a dog barking in the background or somebody, you know, uh, somebody, I don't know, drops a knife in the kitchen outside down the hall or something like that, or a car honks or a, a plane goes by. These will distract you. You you watch them and then you don't resent them. And then you get back to meditating again. You, yeah, you don't have to start thoughts. over. Nothing was no, wrong. No, you don't have to start over. Well, what that, well, you do start. When you're meditating, you're always starting over because you're getting lost in your thoughts. Sure. So those thoughts can be anything. They could be, oh, the distraction down the hall. Oh, the dog barking outside. Oh, the mosquito on my arm. That could be the distraction. You notice it and they go back and they'll go back again. It's actually good. Yeah, you don't have to start the recording over. No, you don't have okay, to Okay, next question. Over. Yeah. Um, Paul Thomas Jr. Yes. Says, hello guys, new fan of the show, found it by accident. I'm a young man that seems very scared of the world. It can be embarrassing at times um, as other people my age drive, have houses, apartments, children, etc. It goes much deeper than what I just said, though. I feel like I felt alone for many years, feeling numb and emotionless as the days go by. The people in my life, as you would already guess, don't understand. Go to the doctor and fix it. You need help. Get over it. Man up. That's what they say, I guess. Many can cope with these sort of circumstances, but I cannot at all. My question is, how do you deal with these experiences as a young man? And how do you deal with these isolated situations? It was difficult to come up with a smart question, but I'm just a very <laughs> lost young man. Hopefully from what I have wrote, you will understand the situation. All the best, Paul. I, uh, I don't know how old he is. It sounds pretty young, right? Well, if, if other kids have uh, kids, if other people have children in houses and apartments at his age, probably in his 20s. Yeah, maybe. Well, he sounds uh, like I, I, I would say I would say mid twenties. Yeah, yeah, probably early twenties. Anyway, um, my opening monologue was actually uh, touched upon this a little bit. Fear of life, okay. Fear of going forward. So, Paul, you know, looking at other people and looking at their personal growth and how much money they make or where they live and whether they drive a car or not, uh, whether they're sociable, that's envy. You're watching other people doing things and you wish that you were doing, but you're too afraid. I talked about that in the opening monologue, about fear of turning into a useless blob. Uh, Paul, you sound like a useless blob, to be quite frank. Uh, <laughs> Paul, stop hating your mother. That's what you need to do. You have to forgive your mother. The way to do that is, I hope you go to my website and get the non-contemplative meditation. It's free. Download it, listen to it, stream it, whatever you need to do, and just do that. And what will happen is your fears will start to fall away. And you won't have a fear of people, you won't have a fear of places, and you won't have a fear of events anymore. I want to point out, yeah, if you don't mind, sure. that everybody gets those fears. Every single person, the most confident people have those fears. Fears of other people, usually fears of being accepted, fears of um messing up doing something stupid whatever and i don't i don't have any fear you can 
you get tempted to be fearful in situations like I, that. I've been okay. tempted to be fearful. I'm I, sure well, you I used have. to. I've had fear. Well, when I was his age, I was full of fear. I'm I'm saying everybody gets them. Right. Okay. Everybody experiences them, has has experienced them, has felt them before. Okay. Right. And it's how you deal with them. Some people, some of the most confident people I know, deal with them by suppressing them and. And, uh, and, and putting on a false sense of confidence. And they're not really confident. They're, they're, they're fake. They're faking their confidence. And other people I know who well, are- they're compensated. Right. And other people I know who are actually confident deal with those fears well. And they observe them and they let them go. But they get them. They still get them. And, and, and I mean, I've gotten them. I think I'm a confident person. And I've gotten them. And I, I say, oh, wow, look at that. And I let it, I let it pass. And then I can go about what I'm doing anyway. Yes, absolutely correct. But what is fear? Fear really is a resentment. If you have a fear of people, it's usually you're, it's usually you're resenting your resentment for people. Just reading the, uh, as you were reading that to me, I was picturing someone living at home in his mother's basement. It sounds like he's living at home, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, well, he also sounds like he's too old to be living at home. Probably. You know, unless he's going to school, unless he's going to college or something, he needs a place to, to live while he's doing that. Um he needs to stop hating his mother. And he's not gonna, that's not going to happen until he learns to separate from his thoughts and to step back and to look and to be still. And then his fears will go away. Right. It's really that simple. You can tell when somebody's faking confidence too. You can tell because their insecurities will show sometimes and, or they'll just be a jerk. Some people are just jerk, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, come on. Oh yeah. And- like man no you don't have to be that way you you don't have to be compensating like that right. you can you can watch those fears and let them pass and just be a regular confident person a nice a nice confident person all right paul so uh check out the meditation i think that would help you yeah he should do that and then he should either write back or contact me or give me a call or message me on facebook or yeah you can find him on facebook daniel j schwarzhoff um because there, the there are some details here that are missing. Of course. Yeah. What I said about faking confidence, that won't help you if you... I don't want you to fake confidence. You won't know not to unless you meditate and see the fears. Um, Schwarzhoffmedia.com. You will find the meditation there. Okay. Non-contemplative meditation. Okay. That's it for today. So subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't already, which is also at Schwarzhoffmedia.com slash email, or just scroll down to the end of the page on the landing page, Schwarzhoff Media. And uh, that's it. We send out the best blogs. And actually, uh, we write something. Uh, my father writes something uh, specific for the email every every Monday night, something that not everybody gets to see. Okay, so that's it for today. This is episode number eight. And join us again next time. But thanks for listening. <laughs>